Welcome to The Halfling. I'm your host, Jaron Pack, and this is Episode Zero, an introduction. I created this show with the goal of shedding a larger light on some of the most mysterious areas and peoples of Middle-earth. Like a lot of other people, obsessing over Tolkien's works has been a lifelong interest for me. I still remember the first time I picked up The Hobbit and read that famous opening line. The memory is imprinted on my consciousness because, in a lot of ways, it changed my life. Now, I know that sounds ridiculous, and in a certain sense, well... It is, but I'm not talking about some dramatic experience where a light shined down and Tolkien himself spoke to me. Quite the opposite, in fact. Whenever the words, in a hole in the ground there lived a hobbit, I immediately felt comfortable. In fact, I felt like a hobbit, sitting down for second breakfast or getting ready to smoke a pipe. I felt cozy and safe. I felt that I had found something special. And you know what? I had. I spent the time since then reading and rereading Tolkien's books. Some of them, like The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, I've literally read or listened through. I'm a huge fan of audiobooks, by the way. Anyway, I've consumed those stories dozens of times over at this point. I think my last count for both of those titles in particular was over 50 times cover to cover. I've literally memorized entire passages at this point. And yet, I still have to go back through them multiple times every year. See what I mean? Obsessed. I've also spent countless hours basking in all of the extracurricular Middle-earth content that's out there. Uh, Christopher Tolkien, Tolkien's son, published a lot of this after his father's death. I'm talking about things like The Silmarillion, Unfinished Tales, the 12-part History of Middle-earth series, Tolkien's letters, things like that. This comes from my inherent desire to puzzle everything together as completely as I can. The only problem is, it's almost impossible to do that with Tolkien's writings. The man wrote, revised, edited, rewrote. He was always doing things like that. It makes certain topics very difficult to reconcile. I'll give you an example. Tevildo is the Prince of Cats. No, for real, that's a real part of Tolkien's stories. He shows up in an early version of the story of Baron and Luthien. Now, that's an old-school Silmarillion story, but when it was republished a few years ago, uh, it got some mainstream attention. And there's this guy in there, Tevildo, the Prince of Cats. He himself is a cat, and he has this major part in the story. It's this crazy bit of feral fun that Tolkien wrote into the original Baron and Luthien story. The only thing is, by the time the Silmarillion was officially published, there's no sign of the Prince of Cats. Why? Because Tolkien had replaced him with Sauron. And this wasn't a quick search and replace, either. He completely rewrites the story to include the Dark Lord Sauron in the plot— and in the process, he writes to Vildo right out of the story. But even then, this isn't the lidless eye version of the Dark Lord, nor is it the guy who loses a finger fighting Isildur. This is Sauron Gorthaur, with that second word meaning abhorrent. The future Dark Lord is described in the Silmarillion as a sorcerer and a lord of werewolves. He has a music duel with an elf, and then a shape-shifting fight with a talking dog, before he turns into a vampire and just takes off. Yeah, it's about as strange as it gets. And Tevildo? Well, we never hear of him again. In fact, if it weren't for that republished version of the story that I just mentioned, it would only be deep-cut Tolkien nerds like yours truly who would have ever even heard of this guy. So the progression goes, Tevildo, the Prince of Cats in the early versions of the story, before he's replaced by a prototype of Sauron, and then eventually refined into the version of the Dark Lord that we all know and love from the Lord of the Rings. 
From there, the villain rises to become the Lord of the Rings and one of Middle-earth's top-tier all-time villains. Call it artistic evolution if you'd like. I call it confusing. But confusing doesn't translate to boring. On the contrary, Tolkien's creative adjustments are fascinating to track over the course of his life. At least, they are if you have a nose for tracking everything down and piecing the various iterations together. I think the enchanting, alluring aspect of Tolkien's creative process is at least partially rooted in the fact that these changes are never done flippantly. They're never done as if he was just trying to come up with something to fill a gap. The Middle-earth master created an expansive world. It comes with a rich history and a complex present for everything within it. Every single character, event, and location in Middle-earth has a backstory, whether the professor knew it or not. Seriously, it doesn't matter if Tolkien had thoroughly fleshed out a background or had just met a character as he went along. You can always feel depth seeping through his writings. Now, I say it doesn't matter because Tolkien really didn't have everything worked out all the time. In a famous letter to his publisher in April of 1954, the author wrote that, quote, Tom Bombadil is not an important person to the narrative. End quote. Now, at first glance, this deflates the importance of the old forest-dwelling conundrum. But in the same letter, Tolkien also states that, quote, Even in a mythical age, there must be some enigmas, as there always are. Tom Bombadil is one intentionally. End quote. Even when his characters aren't fleshed out and ready to go, Tolkien provides a sense of complexity. It's as if he's saying, Don't worry, you're too small and unimportant to try to wrap your head around this. So am I. This is something too big for us to try to tackle right now. Let's leave it for another day. And you know what? As the readers, we accept it. Like a hobbit struggling between adventurous tookishness and the Baggins-ish wisdom of minding our own business, I really do think Tolkien wanted his stories to come across that way, too. Now, this is a purely personal conviction, but over the years, I've come to identify with the idea that Tolkien wanted his readers to approach his books from the perspective of, well... A hobbit. A halfling. One of the little people. The professor himself identified with being a hobbit. No, I'm serious. He, he literally wrote it down in a letter to a fan in October of 1958. He explained several of his tendencies and habits, comparing them to natural hobbit behavior. But I think the hobbit connection is deeper than the mere outward reflection. I think we're supposed to enter Tolkien's stories as the little people, we're supposed to feel in over our heads, looking upward at legendary, larger-than-life characters and learning from their thoughts and deeds. We're supposed to be inspired by the Aragorns, Elrons, Galadriels, and Gandalfs of the world. That's why I've named this podcast The Halfling. That's our role in Tolkien's Legendarium. We're supposed to strap in alongside Bilbo, Frodo, Sam, Merry, and Pippin. And, just like those hesitant adventurers, we're supposed to follow others more qualified heroes, into battle. But we aren't supposed to use this diminutive status as a cop-out. Much like Tolkien's Quintet of Hobbits, we're also supposed to mature as we go along. We're called to pick up our little daggers that we call swords and jump into the fray. It's an exciting concept, and one that has very personally and applicably helped me keep focused through the ups and downs of life. I know that's true for a lot of other people, too. It's also a mindset that I want to explore throughout this podcast. As far as content is concerned, the goal here is to break down the various versions and editions of various Middle-earth trivia. Then I want to cobble them together into something that at least is close to a coherent narrative. I want to take characters, events, and stories, 
and present them to you in a format that's digestible. I, I want it to be interesting and entertaining, which I'll admit is difficult to see sometimes when you're reading a letter that he wrote to a fan and he's mentioning something, referencing a past. It's, it just gets confusing. So my goal is to take all of that information and try to make sense out of it. I want to talk about what Galadriel was up to before she set up shop in Lothlorien. And I've written about that one already before. It is very difficult to make sense of. What about the question of Balrogs? Like, how many are there? What are they? And by the way, that's another one that doesn't have one answer. What about Sauron? Why did he feel he needed to make the One Ring in the first place? As I'm recording this, Peter Jackson's monumental Lord of the Rings trilogy is officially turning 20 years old. It also happens to be the point in time where Amazon Studios' massive Second Age production is just one short year away from kicking off. It's the perfect time to dive into all things Middle-earth and wander around seeing the sights. So let's embrace the sentiment found in Strider's poem. You know the one. Not all those who wander are lost. Let's get that attitude in our minds by fully diving into the experience that Tolkien spent the better part of his life creating. So, you ready? See you on the other side. Thank you.